Hi all, I welcome you to the Building Culture podcast where I invite incredibly smart people who build things whether they be engineers, entrepreneurs, programmers, hobbyists or researchers it does not matter as long as you're someone who's passionate about building things I'll find you and podcast you. Hi all, I want to take a brief moment to thank you all personally for supporting this podcast on YouTube and on all major podcast platforms including Google Podcasts and Spotify. The podcast mainly features interesting people in robotics, artificial intelligence and entrepreneurship. If you believe that the information that I'm providing might be of benefit to you or to someone you know, it would be really great if you could hit the subscribe button. and press the notification icon so that you can get notified on time whenever the next part is out it would literally take you a second or two to subscribe to the podcast but it would really mean a lot to me because i can grow the podcast to a level that where i can reach more people invite ever more interesting guests and have a more meaningful impact so let's begin now so uh, now we can uh, go more specific to uh, your professional experience so let's talk about uh, your phd and what you are doing at bmw currently okay so uh, currently i'm 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 a phd uh, researcher at, at bmw in, in munich in germany i'm also associated with university of glasgow uh, so where i would get my eventually get the degree yeah um so it's it's called the bmw promotion program um which is uh which i think is like a it's like a, a structured program for phd's so where bmw would hire uh, uh students or uh, people as 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 um, to 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 do their phd's in collaboration with the university and it's it's very nice because they give you freedom to do research on on the topic which of course is is beneficial to the company but it's it's more you have more freedom to do uh, to work upon this topic and um it's it's let's say it's fully funded by the company for the for the university and everything so so uh, you you are basically employed by the company you're working in the company and um you are allowed to do uh, like you're free to explore on the on the research topics that you like so which is <coughs> i i i i like hugely grateful for bmw for providing this opportunity and it's really cool because you get to experience as i said uh, the best of both worlds you you get to yeah. work at the intersection of uh, industry and academia um and you get to work on really like cutting edge topics so you get to also publish your work um and and also your you get real work experience because mm. this this is also considered as work experience as well so um i think this is this is not quite conventional to what a normal phd is where you working in in a university um so this is also a bit shorter compared to a, a, a usual university phd degree which is in uh, i mean in the us can take like i would say 5 to 7 years mm. um in germany depends but like uh, let's say 5 years or so yeah so the bmw phd is about 3 to 3.5 years long and you typically you do this industrial phd with the university in the more or less same time scale so you you, you you have an initial agreement that more or less in this time scale you would graduate 
okay so yeah. do you also work on other projects apart from your phd or you are totally involved in your phd as it's part of your totally is mainly involved in the phd okay so. okay okay yeah uh, and uh, like uh, so the convent the, so the working hours and everything would be same like the job or uh, that is also flexible for you no that is also very flexible so okay. that's a, that's a very good thing about this program so even though you would have all the benefits of being an employee at the at the company you get like <coughs> flexible working hours because sometimes you have to work with the university um typically if your university is in the same location hmm. so you sometimes you also spend some time at the at the university as well uh, so so they've given very flexible working hours you have like a very very good network because there's a lo- it's not just one and two there's a lot of phd's which are being employed at bmw so you have a very good network within the company they have all these uh, really cool talks with with uh, people up the ladder in the company like vice presidents and so on so there's a lot of mm. like these um information sessions and these a uh, lot of fireside chats and so on so uh, if you log on to the bmw website you get to see what uh, what the program offers you know the different parts of the program and mm. i would hi- highly recommend anybody who's um looking to do a phd especially and looking to a phd in industry so that you have this both the intersection of both hmm. uh, i would highly rec- recommend to apply to this bmw phd program yeah especially because you get both uh, the experiences exactly. industrial exposure as well as uh, research exactly research. exactly and 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 uh this is i i i have heard from people who have finished this and they they say that this is definitely a big big plus because you get um you know you are also open to um academic positions and but also in industrial positions okay. so also within the company as well so mm-hmm. yeah and can you also throw some light on the application process maybe briefly how yeah. was it and what the requirements were yeah of course so, for uh, more details uh, on the website uh, people can visit so exactly so so for the for the complete details i would say the website is the yeah. is the they have everything from start to finish but <laughs> typically it's it's like this so there, there's a position out online and and um, you you typically have about four of yeah four rounds of interviews okay uh with usually the your supervisor and then one with the university supervisor and and one uh, the hr and so on so uh, it's it's the usual process for as in any other um application <laughs> and um yeah so it it takes about it takes some time uh, but it's it's quite intense because you have to uh, there the, there would be a lot of people applying for at each round because this position would be advertised um, both in the company websites and and, and different other posi- uh, portals as well so there would be a lot of people applying to it hmm. so it's very competitive uh but it 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 makes sense it, it makes sense to 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 stick to it and you know uh, uh apply and try to do your best in in, in each round as i was saying the um, the the program has this this typical uh, four or five rounds of interviews um so the the topic or the direction is more or less uh, mentioned in the call so you you would have a phd position so opening and they would mention the, the direction of research and then when you start you start talking to your professor and your supervisor and start to build a more concrete plan so um uh, so you you this is not so t- uh, conventional if you compare it to the phd's in the us for example mm-hmm. or in india because there you you apply for a program at a at a chair or a, or a department and then after that you 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 sort of you spend a, a year or two to to fix on your 
you know topic. your topic of the phd yeah. which is which is quite different to what what it is here so so direction is more or less fixed but you you get to choose on what you want to do in this direction okay so okay. yeah so my phd is more on like the how to combine vision and tactile sensing for uh, safe human robot interaction so that that is what the topic i'm working on for my phd okay and and during the process uh, so the topic uh, on a broad level is already fixed so does that mean that you are also evaluated on the basis of past experience that is relevant to this or mostly on your ability to adapt to uh, the work i would say both because um, usually these topics are like really um, future research oriented topics yeah. because it's and sometimes it would be open it would be very open for exploration and it would be very difficult for people to already have prior experience in in those particular fields you know mm. you know what i mean so yeah. so of course because the the competition is so high that it it always pays to have uh, experience in 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 robotics or in especially in this case but in general in the field which you're applying in but uh, in the interview if you are if you're able to so explain or if you're able to convince the the interviewers that hey i i i can learn this very quickly and i can um, you know i can pick it up then then for sure yeah because bmw doesn't only hire for robotics there's, there's a bunch of different yeah for sure very mm-hmm. broad spectrum of phd positions opening right from very conventional research to very applied research so yeah okay Okay. Yeah. Thanks for uh, sharing uh, this information about BMW. Uh, maybe now we can talk about your experience at uh, IIT at uh, Italy and uh, how you worked on iCub. Maybe you can throw some light on that. Sure. Uh, so yeah. So I, as soon as I I, I finished my uh, masters, uh, so I, I was looking for different positions. I didn't want to do a PhD right away, so I wanted okay. to get some a bit of work experience before I start my PhD. get to see the let's say the real world <laughs> outside academia yeah um yeah and, and uh, iit is like a research institute which is also in genova where where i did my masters program at and it's quite famous for especially for the re- robotics departments because they have very very cool robots they have the um uh the icub of course but also like uh, other departments which do like quadrupeds and like like the high queue and and so on so uh, yeah. i would definitely recommend people checking out the the, the different robots at iit um so i worked in the icub department but n- not on the icub let's okay. say okay uh, so the icub department is a research line which uh, brings different uh, aspects of uh, research together but one of the aspects is working on on the icub itself but there are m- multiple different uh, aspects to the research department itself so i was working on um on a joint lab with uh, with another uh, industrial partner um we are where we working on like this uh, safe human robot collaboration again but more focused towards the the steel industry okay. so that was the the focus of the uh, the project there between so it was like an industry and the research institute collaborating together to to uh, to find solutions for safe hri okay and i was uh, working as a robotics engineer or a research engineer i would say um so it was um more focused on uh, on a, on a broad abstract level on getting like um 
perception algorithms very safe perception algorithms for like pose estimation and so on uh, yeah i mean uh, the icub uh, and i uh, robots by iit are actually very famous we see them in in the documentaries and all right there's plenty of documentaries in which these robots are featured so that was a really uh, i think uh, useful opportunity for you as well and it opened more doors for you exactly uh, especially since the robotics community is quite uh, let's say well connected mm-hmm. um working in 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 iit actually opened a lot of doors for me as well because a lot of people in the robotics community know the icub yeah uh, they they they've seen um uh, like for example uh, icub doing its usual walking Uh, mm-hmm. looking at the at the tomato ball documentary where you know it moves its head as you move the tomato yeah, yeah, so yeah. those are quite famous yeah so uh, that that I, as you said said it's it definitely opened a lot of doors and it helped get it helped me to get into the phd program as well because as i said before the competition is quite intense so, and and mm-hmm. if people see that you have prior experience in the field um in 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 especially in hu- uh, human robot interaction or in, in in you have good programming skills and so on and which is demonstrable so you i because i worked as a uh, research engineer i was mostly doing programming mm-hmm. so um and um, i i i could i could demonstrate the skill as well so this this helped me to get into the phd program okay interesting uh now we can uh talk about uh your specific research work and try to understand it so about human robot collaboration in general uh, for beginners can you uh, define what is meant by human robot collaboration and we can uh, continue from that sure um so uh, human robot collaboration uh, definition would be how can you have a very uh, natural or very intuitive way of working together with the robot a, a safe and intuitive way of working together with the robot so it can be it's like working with a teammate uh who's um who can be a human or a robot so it, it, mm-hmm. like for us it should it should it should not change um for the working style of pr so it it should uh, that that is what is the goal of human robot interaction i would say <coughs> wherein you 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 are you, it's safe to work alongside a robot so you're close to it you can you can you can like physically interact with it hmm. but also you don't have to provide explicit commands saying hey uh, you have to do this this and this but it, it sort of understands what is your intention what is your goals and tries to adapt to what you're doing so this is sort of more an intuitive way of uh, working with it so i think that's that's that would be the goal of human robot collaboration so so the robot understands what understands and maybe predicts what uh, the human's next action would be so that it 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 takes its actions accordingly so exactly. what what uh, what are the major applications where we are going to see more and more of human robot appli- uh, interaction in the future so uh, most of the human robot interaction the push towards this comes from the industry 4.0 uh, you know the agenda wherein um they want to have robots come out of cages so if you go to the mm. pr- the production line of any big manufacturing company you especially for example in bmw there's a lot of robots and the same yeah. thing with any other manufacturing company in germany or uh, across the world you have a lot of robots doing very manual repetitive tasks um and and you want to bring these out of cages so so that that 
drive uh, that drove the push towards having robots be more safe and then it led to this collaborative robots concept uh, from the universal robots from panda the dlr um mm-hmm. and, and diff- different other robots and and uh, wherein they have they are sort of inherently safe so so upon impact they don't uh, they they limit the amount of force that they transfer to the human mm-hmm. so so there's there's this sort of this iso iso um regulation that if if the the amount of force transfer upon impact is within a certain level then it is sort of safe okay and and it can it can move in, in slower speeds but it is more adaptive so the 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 body of the robot is more let's say uh it's not rigid it doesn't have very sharp edges which can which can uh, hurt a human and so on so <laughs> this was the initial drive so of course now uh, people have looked into a more uh let's say other aspects than industry so the, there's also this home robotics so if you mm. came across this toyota research uh, video they 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 have this uh, <coughs> robots inside the home to do all these uh, filling of the dishwasher and so on yeah. and then there are different other companies and other research institutes which try to do i don't know like um space robotics to have to collaborate with astronauts mm. and and so so various other fields so anywhere you want to have humans and um robots work together so uh, talking about human robot uh, interaction i think there's a a picture that is probably i mean maybe i'm a bit biased so that uh, that comes into my mind all the time is with, with a robot manipulator arm but i think human robot interaction actually points to human and maybe a mobile robot or a different kind of robot in the same setting as well so uh, based on your experience uh, have you worked mostly on robot manipulators or also on other kinds of robots so you, you also worked on humanoid uh, right uh, as part of that uh, so mostly i would say on manipulator robots. manipulators so, uh, yeah. yeah because most like my master thesis the work at iit and right now and mostly it's on the the manipulator arms but mm. um but i would be very hopeful in the future to work on uh i w- i would like to work on for example the the atlas from okay. boston dynamics that that would be a dream i would mm, say yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but but right now it's it's mostly on the industrial uh, uh manipulators which are of course currently of commercial uh, interest yeah yeah but in general also overall if we see when we you use the term human robot interaction so generally robot manipulators are considered right exactly so generally like the collaborative robots are now uh, eh, there are a lot of small companies which are coming up with their own collaborative robots mm. um uh, which uh, any six six dof a uh, 6 degree of freedom robot manipulator which can uh, it's a small payload like let's say 20 kg payload but you can easily program it uh, you can set it up easily you can move it around and mm. so that is that is what is the commercial push right now um rather than the very big high payload um high precision manipulators um but <clears throat> as you said um the mobile robots or even like uh, for for instance even you can have um drones or drones yeah drones with which which can collaborate with with humans in in a, in a sense that you can have a swarm of drones uh, interacting with the, with a human um instead of just tele teleoperation you can mm. you can also have sort of some sort of interaction yeah i think the 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 <laughs> the, the the idea is now spreading to different uh, domains as well mm. uh, you need not even have a a physical agent even a sort of like a, have you seen these 
tele operation uh, or tele presence robots which would have this ipad and and the stick mm-hmm. and, and which can move around okay. <laughs> so basically if you, if you want to have a skype call with somebody and and, and you also want to have this tele presence so there are these ah, small okay with you just put a ipad on top of a stick which can move around and and even this can be a um, human like robot a- interaction <laughs> exactly okay that's interesting yeah uh, so also where does uh, machine learning uh, come into picture how does machine learning help with human robot interaction or maybe you can start first with what are the challenges that are associated with human robot interaction and how does machine learning help with those so um i would say in 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 any robotic system or in particular in human robotic system so the, the main aspects is the the perception block the the decision making or the planning block and the the control block hmm. or the 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 actual the actuators and everything so these are three blocks which have this interconnection between them so usually you draw these three circles and you have arrows in between them so because information can flow between each of this so the perception block can be your cameras your um, you know uh, uh, lidars radars uh, hmm. tactile all sensing, the sensors yeah. audio sensing all all the sensing block <laughs> but also the, like the low level um, let's say the the aspects of going from raw data to like data which you can actually use so hmm. you know low level processing and so on so then you have the decision making block or the planning block where you say okay hey i have this task to do and how do i plan this so based on the perception you have to build a sort of like a planning mechanism you can you can you can do it online you can do it offline if it's if the task is well known um and then you have the uh, the control or the actuation block where mm-hmm. you 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 send high level command saying hey um open the door open the door is the 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 command coming from the the planning to the control block so <laughs> in the control block you have to do okay motor control you have to do a high level motor control let's say okay or um um move this uh, find the you have the pose of the the door handle and then you say okay go to that pose and then uh, hmm. grasp and then when you grasp you say you have to check is the grasp achieved you have tactile sensing there and then you have to do another task of opening it and so on so um so I, there's a lot of interconnection between these blocks so um yeah so this is this is the focus and and then uh in particularly for human robot interaction you also have in the perception block not only perceiving the environment <laughs> but also perceiving the human's um state or okay. human action so there's a let's let's say a human action recognition block where you try to understand what is the human's action and you just send this to the decision making block where it then just tries to uh, infer what the human is actually trying to do or what he would he or she would do next okay so <laughs> depending on the task you you can you can um, have various different configurations but this is the three blocks which you always need to have and so uh, within the scope of these three blocks now uh, the addition is that you actually uh, want to use machine learning for identifying humans behavior uh, the behavior of humans and uh, their actions predicting them and then taking actions accordingly exactly so machine learning can be used in many of these blocks for example just <coughs> just in the perception block yeah if you have to identify where um, the human is or where the object is you have you can you can have like computer vision based approaches to to find out bounding boxes on 
on on the object pose or the the type of object or do like semantic segmentation mm. on on the scene saying <laughs> okay here there's a lot of clutter but this is the human and i want to go to the human and you know, so, so on and so on so so um machine learning uh, is, is is it's a tool so it's a tool where you you can use it in different blocks uh, mm. and uh the 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 i would say that machine learning is like more of an enabler or deep learning is an enabler which sometimes maybe classical methods work better yeah uh, <laughs> sometimes deep learning methods are much 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 better but um yeah it's it's a tool to to satisfy a problem yeah and yeah. uh then you can go into the planning block where like for example you can use very classical um or very uh early ai based approaches called like the symbolic ai where you um where you have the predicates and actions i don't know okay. if you have taken an ai course yeah yeah <laughs> I, i remember uh yeah i i did study something like these as well uh, long back yeah. but yeah i get which one you're talking about yeah so this this can be also one one aspect of the the really old symbolic ai approaches which you can which in you can use or you can also use like i don't know the the um, Uh, all these uh, planning algorithms which for example ross has these planning algorithms which you given a certain task you can, you can already build a plan mm. and using these planning algorithms it controls what to do next mm. so depending on the task what do you do next so <laughs> yeah so so research is taking place in all of these blocks uh, my current focus is on the perception block uh, but yeah uh in order to put it into the system you always have to have all the blocks which which are available so um so you sort of try to get to the state of the art or try to try to work on really novel approaches in one of these blocks but you also have to know a little bit of the other ones because you have to put put those together yeah. in order to work yeah okay okay so, okay so making something novel in all of them at once would be quite challenging uh especially uh, as part of one phd but you uh, mm. people try to go into detail on in, on a particular uh, sub field and then they try to find out some novel techniques there okay and uh, so this was about uh, the whole human uh, robot interaction and and the different components of it and uh, according to you what impact do you think human robot interaction would have on the industries so uh, it would uh, of course allow the humans and robots to work collaboratively and probably some of the things that we thought would not be done by robots can now be done but overall do you think as a general uh, you know field how how is it going to impact the industries in the future yeah i mean so so there's the there is a um, so there's different kinds of uh, goals in mind right so so in one case for example in the autonomous driving you want to completely remove the human from the loop so you okay. want you yeah. want the part to be completely autonomous hmm. in some cases you want uh, a human and robot to interact together so there's sort of like a synergetic uh, interaction so so different fields have different goals so so even in in semi autonomous driving you have a uh, the you know certain tasks where a human is required to take over control in certain tasks where uh, the, the the car is going to go uh, on its own mm. um, but but in general i i would say that uh, it should the goal should be to um to take over tasks which are uh, you know uh, dangerous repetitive manual and so on and so on mm. but also to make the more quality of life better so okay 
<laughs> but also for example uh, let's take the example of the tele tele uh, operation of uh, um medical robots okay by doctors in 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 let's say more developed countries in let's say to more underdeveloped countries where they cannot actually be physically present but ah. control mm. the robot from where they are to to reach a more wider audience mm. uh, i think that is that is something which really impacts a lot of lives so uh, and that again is uh, human robot interaction because there you are actually let's say controlling you're tele operating but you're you're also having this um uh, a robotic agent uh, at the at the end which, which is actually doing the task so so mm. you you need to know you need to have a low latency uh, feedback and you need to know uh, also the robot needs to sort of like understand what is the the human like if, if the human applies certain pressure what the human is uh, what the human wants to do and so on so mm. so uh, i would say it's very very wide spectrum to have one single solution <coughs> but um in in general to improve quality of life yeah so uh, you mentioned two really interesting uh, applications in this uh, direction so you you talked about autonomous driving where the ultimate goal is actually to take human out of the loop and make it fully autonomous and on the other hand for uh, you know these uh, surgery these medical uh, type applications uh you know teleoperation can help uh, in uh, you know the human robot interaction might play a more important role so do you think like uh, ultimately all kinds of robots should uh, should be targeted towards you know making them fully autonomous or it should always be that there should always be you know uh, human in the loop or some applications cannot uh, go fully autonomous Uh, for example yeah, i i i don't think there is um, a single solution to this yeah uh, some applications uh, the goal should be fully autonomous to <coughs> fully remove the human from the loop hmm. but in some applications you need to have you need to have a synergy because uh, for example the surgical application it, it is very unlikely or almost un- impossible to completely remove the human from the loop hmm. because you 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 playing with lives at stake you know and and um the same thing with uh, autonomous vehicles i mean level 5 autonomy is it's something which is um super difficult to achieve level 4 uh, at least in in like constrained environments uh, seems possible but level 5 is very difficult to achieve and mm. and i think there's a lot of uh, debate going on about uh, do we really need um to completely remove the human from the loop or is it okay to have so, so I mean I I I wouldn't say I'm uh, experienced enough to uh, qualify to answer this question about do we really need this or not but I would say that uh, each task has its own uh, solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah no that definitely makes sense because there's no fixed answer to this question. Right? Yeah. So now we can talk about uh, uh, the career aspects of robotics so you have been associated with robotics since your <laughs> bachelor's now you have you've been involved in really interesting projects all o- across the world uh, so what skills do you think have been uh, most important and what everyone should you know uh, strive towards learning and mastering for robotics um i think the skills for robotics um programming Mm-hmm. uh that like you need to pick one programming language which you're really good at and like like um really try to get into a professional uh level at it 
um, so would you recommend would, Python more or C++ or both or both uh, yeah. <laughs> both because especially for some of the higher level tasks Python is better but um, if you're working with a real agent when you're actually interfacing with low level control mm-hmm. uh, you have to know C++ okay. and uh, I, I am I prefer C++ a bit more I'm, uh, at least because of my own experience mm. but uh, yeah uh, <clears throat> I, I think both is required. Uh, also, good background in math. Um, mm. In uh, you should have a good background in mathematics, especially to understand all the the linear algebra and and so on. So, so taking very basic courses in math is, is required. And and um, a lot of people ask us if 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 you need to know, for example, mechanical design or. Uh, electronics to 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 build robots, but it depends. So so it depends mm. on what kind of field you want to go into. Um, but for for me personally, I, I I do not know mechanical design aspect so much. So uh, uh, it, towards the um, the AI or the the perception side, um, I I think you need to focus on your having a very good understanding of the math and very good programming ability. And with this, you can sort of like you know. Get to know, get to read papers, get to know what is what is going on, get to mm. implement st- new stuff, um, and and yeah. So uh, yeah, from a programming point of view, or someone who is in AI or machine learning, these fields, programming is is probably the most important thing. The ability to understand and read research papers, mathematical concepts as you say uh, the basic mathematical concepts and foundations should be strong uh, and do you think like uh, ROS is also a mandatory skill or uh, uh, people just learn it on the go what, what is your view on that I, I mean if, if you know good programming I think ROS is yeah yeah it, it's it comes comes with it but I mean currently ROS is what people use for uh, interfacing with robots mm-hmm. After five years, I don't know. Maybe there's something else. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I I wouldn't bank on being uh, saying that ROS is the the one thing which you need to know. Uh, for example, there's the NVIDIA ISAC which yeah. has come out, um, which is really cool. I think mm-hmm. they have a really good simulator and and they have their own sort of pipelines to build uh, robotic systems in simulation and to interface with the real robot. They also have a interfacing with ROS, but even without ROS, I think you can still work with it. Okay. So, um, you don't know. So, I, I think, you know, you sh- in general, uh, you need to know how to to, to program well with one um, C++, Python, yeah. or whatever. Uh, so, yeah. so, the tool, tool a specific tool is not really important, but rather the programming skills and understanding. Yeah, the skills and the understanding, I would say that that is, that is more important. So, even if you not taken a course on ROS in your masters it's it's fine hmm. uh, you you can you can learn it on the go but um, you need to know you need to because a lot of times you see um, you have a really cool idea but then it's your programming skills which are holding you back from implementing yeah or you yeah. see uh, you you understand the theory very well but you you cannot implement it so uh, you need to have uh, you need to know at least to write code at, at a comfortable level hmm. um, which then you can build upon for the tool that you need. So if, if a new tool comes up after two years, you just have to <laughs> you spend like, I don't know, two weeks and start learning the tool. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think uh, robotics as a field uh, can be, uh, someone can enter into this field on their own without universities as well? Or do you think uh, university is 
mandatory and uh, without it it would become super difficult um i would say that currently uh, it's getting better so you don't need to have access to formal um education like you need like a robotics engineering degree or something to get mm-hmm. into this so uh, <clears throat> uh, like for example there is uh, online uh, simulators uh, for interfacing to ross and gazebo it's called construct i think um, construct yeah yeah exactly so just with a browser you can get access to uh, to to running mm-hmm. um, applications so i mean uh, the, the the barrier is getting lower in order to to enter the the robotics field but of course of course having a formal uh, degree would help because you you sort of get a structure to know what is what is what but um, I, i i don't think anything in this world requires, says that oh you need to have this degree yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're interested i think you can always pick it up Hmm. but like uh, it, i think like the university degree is also uh, it also helps in building the credibility right otherwise how exactly. how do you establish that you know enough exactly so so of course there's there's, there's no uh, certification uh, as far as i know which says that oh if you have this you, you're a certified robotics engineer <laughs> yeah. so so credibility comes from the degree but you can also get that from uh, doing actual real world applications as well mm-hmm. hey guys i really hope that you enjoyed this particular conversation and it helped you in some way shape or form if it did make sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification icon or the bell icon so that you can get notified on time whenever the next part is out also it would be really great if you could give me your feedback in the comments below that would really help me improve i'm uploading small clips of the long podcasts on a regular basis on platforms like linkedin facebook and instagram so make sure to follow me on these platforms if you're someone who cannot take out time for the long episodes The podcasts are also available on all major podcast platforms including Spotify and Google Podcasts.